and thank you for joining us on the Therapy Cable podcast. What you're about to listen to are conversations and interviews on some of the most crucial and important topics in the behavioral and mental health space. It is our mission to help remove the stigmas attached to mental health, psychology, and addiction, one recording at a time. Welcome to our weekly discussion every Thursday from uh, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, Pacific Daytime. Uh, we hold this conversation, this presentation about personality disorder. So today what I would like to talk about is specifically borderline personality disorder and basically how family members um, can uh, do something about borderline personality traits and characteristics and, and full-blown disorder if one of your family members is suffering from that. So, um, in fact, I have received about two or three questions regarding this particular issue that I would like to address today. These are good examples without naming the person you know, we want to keep the individuals who are providing these questions anonymous and uh, confidential. So, but in general, that can really happen in any family. So, one of the questions um, and, and the situation is such that a mother has reported she uh, has been uh, kind of cut off from her son. Her son uh, mostly is suffering from borderline personality disorder and uh, is even seeking therapy. However, even despite going to a therapist, the relationship between him and his mother and parents, basically, not just the mother, mother and father, have been uh, strained and uh, uh, conflictual to the point that now uh, the son is really just uh, completely cutting off the family, mostly the parents and uh, has a hard time to really reconnect with them or allowing them back into his life. And uh, the parents are suffering, uh, son is suffering, everybody is suffering. And the parents are in touch with uh, their uh, second son, you know, so the first son's brother, as well as the uh, first son's uh, wife. And they also hear from the wife and from the second son that, uh, how uh, their uh, first son is suffering and uh, not happy uh, really about the separation, but really that is what he sees as the best solution at this time to ease his pain. But So it's a very uh, heart-wrenching situation where the mother has reached out to me and basically asked, you know, what should I do? Should I push even further to repair the relationship to to somehow um, uh, get the family back together, to somehow remain in my son's uh, life. And, um, uh, you know, at the same time, she knows, she has come to understand the particular dynamics that have led to this situation. So uh, she had shared with me how in the past she had, um, she and her husband were not really aware of these issues with the borderline personality disorder. 
So they, in their ignorance, more or less, or, you know, lack of information about what to do, what to say, they had engaged in very um, kind of a conflictual, very, uh, um, uh, you know, kind of a um, almost uh, argumentative, and very argument, not almost, but very argumentative, and um, uh, acrimonious, adversarial um, type of a friction and tension, very tense type of a discussion to the extent of, you know, blaming one another, uh, finding faults with each other, really uh, and expressing their hurt and pain in very destructive ways, and ultimately really not listening to one another. And um, so as a result, the relationship has gotten worse, even though they have attempted at repairing the relationship every time they have come together to address the issue, not knowing what to say, what not to say, they have ended up hurting one another even more. And at one point of time, even the son invited the parents to go visit um, with his therapist, kind of have a family session in order to explain to them where his pain comes from. And again, because of the complexity and very difficult nature of dealing with the borderline personality characteristics and traits, they uh, ended up really more resentful, even though with the presence of the therapist trying to uh, figure out the depth of their pain, it really didn't lead anywhere um, favorable. So um, as a result, um, more or less they have, they have become very hopeless and uh, disappointed and disillusioned and at a point where they don't understand what to do and they're giving up hope. And uh, so she reached out to me asking, uh, what should I do? You know, uh, shall I, for instance, surprise my son, just kind of go over there and, you know, show up at their, at his house, try to amend the relationship. So, and that's uh, important. What I would like to bring up here a few concepts. Number one, our desire of repair may be too uh, codependent on each other. So in this case, when you, uh, you know, regardless of the position within the family, whether it's a mother or a father or a son or a daughter, siblings, whoever it is, when one person tries to convince more or less the other person to change their behavior because uh, they believe that if the other person changed their behavior, their suffering could be lessened, then you actually end up at times exacerbating the problem and um, leading to more injury. Um, now, it is a difficult, very difficult situation where if a person who is uh, quite suffering from a lack of attention, relationship, closeness, intimacy, um, they are left with nothing but some kind of a distance and silence from their partner. Uh, that is painful as well, but then what would you do? Would you just put up with the silence? Would you put up with the distance and leave it be um, with some kind of a imaginary hope of improvement, maybe time heals everything or kind of ignoring the issues and over time uh, kind of getting back on track or 
would you really go at it and try to invest a lot more energy, a lot more time to fix the problem, to change the situation? So here my answer was that, um, uh, first of all, yes, at times what we have to do is really kind of honor that request. So if you and your family member, you're kind of in that situation, and let's say you're uh, you are the one who is more or less being shunned by your family member. And your family member has borderline personality uh, traits, uh, characteristics, or disorder. Uh, then um, that's their wish. They have ended up coming to this point where they believe that further um, digging and intensity of the relationship is actually more harmful than helpful. So they have come to somehow a protective phase, a protective state and uh, position in their, um, in their psyche, in their life, which we also call harm reduction. So they're doing really harm reduction. They're thinking, you know, uh, I've tried it many times. I've tried to get along to make my needs uh, obvious and communicate what I need, but it is not working. And every time I have tried, it is actually getting worse. So let me just do some harm reduction and really kind of keep a peaceful distance. It's better we don't see each other and really not have these intense ups and downs and the strife and conflict conflict and friction and, and fights, more or less the quarrels uh, with each other, uh, than actually being together, spending time together with the hope of having some good time. Because uh, really the good times become so elusive and far and few be in between, they are uh, hardly there. You know, once in a while, there is some kind of intense, good relationship, closeness, uh, which is, by the way, characteristic with uh, borderline personality and people in relationships with borderline personality uh, disorder, uh, where you have a lot of intense highs and a lot of intense lows you know, kind of this continuous back and forth, the distancing and coming close together, distances and coming close together. And ultimately, a person decides, you know what, I, I can't just, I, I can't deal with it anymore. So it's better to have a, a reliable, consistent, uh, persistent type of a distance that would just teach me how to just deal with that instead of going to the uh, ups and downs of the intense experiences, what I can do is have a very leveled uh, type of, if you will, manageable pain that is only about one thing, which is the distant uh, relationship. So if a person has come to that point and they have decided that and they are exercising that choice, so they're letting their family members know that, listen, it's better we just don't talk. They just, just stay from, away from each other. Uh, by all means, you know, you can respect that. Even if it is difficult, it's not going to kill you. And uh, basically, as a means of harm reduction, it might not be bad at all. You know, what uh, the people in the relationship can do, uh, there's a few things. You know, I'm not saying this without um, any disregard and without empathy for the pain that people are experiencing uh, because I myself have experienced that as well with some family members. I'm not foreign to this. 
and uh, so I can speak from first-hand experience that when it when this type of a disconnection happens, you can uh, engage in certain coping skills. You know, number one, knowing that um, at least your loved one is in a peaceful state, even though they are distant, they are. Um, okay, at least, if not happy, with having to bear that pain of distance and yet take care of themselves. So, you know, if, if that's what they're choosing, if that's what's good for them, then and you as a family member, you um, can bring yourself to accept that in terms of maybe it's okay for you to not get what you want, which is that closeness to your family member. Uh, in order for them to get what they want, which is that peacefulness in their life. In this particular example, when the mother asked me, you know, what shall I do with this? Shall I push forward? And my recommendation was no, don't push forward. You know, accept your son's decision. And again, you want closeness. He doesn't want closeness. Now, for many, many years, you were uh, the parent present uh, in his life and you wanted certain things and you got those. And that really goes back to the uh, corner and the center piece of the, the relationship which the son had brought up in the um, therapy sessions that he had uh, at many, many times he had tried to express his feelings, emotions, and he was not heard. He was uh, shut down. He was uh, um, more or less ignored and uh, he couldn't really uh, convey his pain and his needs and his, uh, you know, intense uh, experience to the parents. So for many years, he didn't get what he needed and what he wanted. The parents did. It was more like they basically, they, they felt that they um, fulfilled their roles. They uh, directed the life of the son. They were involved. And uh, now uh, the parents, again, just like they, they actually um, were good parents, at least they believed they were good parents. And I'm sure there's a great truth to that, that they have tried their best and are good parents. So uh, in this case, too, they can continue being a good parent in uh, really taking on the burden and pain of the distance and, and telling themselves, well, if that's what my son needs, then why should I not respect that? Why should I not give him what he needs, okay, even at the cost of me not getting what I need. Isn't that more or less some of the, um, at least teachings that we learn about good parenting, you know, uh, or even or even love, you know, a lot of times that brings me really to the discussion of the love. A lot of times people uh, use the word and terminology of lo I love him or her or this or that, and what they really mean is not love, they mean want. You know, they want somebody, but they don't necessarily love that somebody. And the difference being that if they uh, loved a person, they would be willing to do what's best for that person, not themselves. But they, if they want someone, then the roles are reversed or these needs or wishes are reversed. So uh, people who want things, they're doing things or the, 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 the people who want uh, other people in their lives, they are quite selfish, they are uh, investing their time and energy only because of their own want and need, regardless of their partner's 
wants and needs, regardless of what's good for their partners, because their focus is only on their own uh, needs and experiences and what's good for them. Uh, so there's a big difference in, in here, and parents, parent love too, a lot of times uh, is defined by that, right? In terms of the uh, ability, the capacity to really set that uh, role, be the role model, and set that example in uh, allowing some kind of a painful experience to be carried by the parent in order for the child to uh, have his or her own experience, develop strength, grow out of that particularly painful uh, situation or phase, and later on realize that, oh, my parents actually were there for me by carrying that burden that I could not carry for myself. So uh, that was my recommendation to that uh, lady. And uh, that was an example of sometimes, unfortunately, uh, what needs to be done. And uh, the key component here is patience. Again, another coping mechanism is not only reminding yourself that actually you're doing a good thing by taking that burden of distance and um, being able to respect the other person's wish, but also uh, allowing yourself to really exercise patience, uh, reminding yourself that, you know, uh, the only uh, constant in the world is change itself. You know, nothing else is constant. Everything changes. Um, so it's inevitable for that uh, son or daughter or family member to um, actually develop a different experience and um, perspective down the road in their lives, especially if we respect their wish. If that, um, you know, and that's the other uh, part of my recommendation to this mother was that if you do choose to uh, respect his wish, uh, your son's wish, and um, just kind of put up with the distance and uh, not push for more closeness, you don't want to convey it in a way that it is putting more shame, embarrassment, guilt, and um, other painful experiences on your son. So, so you don't want to really embarrass him, kind of rub it in his face and tell him, uh, listen, I'm willing to suffer through this, and uh, this is so painful, and I can't believe that I have to do this, or you're putting me through this and this and that, but I'm willing to do it for you. Because that just blames uh, the, the son even more. It uh, exacerbates really the imbalance of the uh, more or less responsibility of uh, the son taking care of the feelings and emotions of the mother or the parents. So um, it has to be done with finesse, with a level of caring that is truly uh, deep and leveled and secure and grounded. So if uh, you, as a family member, you are willing to put up with that distance, with that wish of your family member to just stay away for, for now, you want to convey it in a way that sends the right message. So <clears throat> and the right message would be sending a message of acknowledgement, validation, and um, acceptance uh, without ifs and buts and anything. So just let them know. That's fine. Now that I understand that this uh, works for you and you wish to have distance from me and to me and this is your solution for now, 
um, I'm willing to do that. Uh, it's not easy for me, and I don't want to put the burden on you. Uh, it's not your burden, it's my burden. Um, I do care about you, and I do um, uh, find this a, a painful experience. It's not an easy experience. And regardless, I'm willing to respect your wish and validate you, acknowledge your need to stay away. And uh, as long as you believe that is necessary. Uh, if you change your mind down the road, I'm there for you. I'm there for the relationship. And if there is uh, something that needs to be done uh, for me to, or for you, uh, for both of us to be able to reach that level, I'm willing to hear, I'm willing to listen. And, uh, and put the energy and effort to get there. And that's it. You just leave it there. And really allow the individual who is um, really uh, done with these ups and downs and uh, the intensity of the relationship and they want to have some peacefulness, to kind of absorb that, you know, see how is it? How is life uh, with this new scenario that I have imagined? Is it better? Is it worse? Do I miss anything about my um, mother, about my father, um, and then kind of um, digest that message they have gotten from you in terms of, wow, you know, I heard my uh, my mom or my dad just kind of really acknowledge what I need. And, I, and, and it's very clear that it is not foreign to them that this must be painful for a family member not to be close to each other because it's very clear because it's actually painful to them too. You know, uh, they just are preferring one pain to the other. So uh, they're preferring the pain of distance to the pain of intense ups and downs of the closeness. So, uh, so they're very aware that this is not a pleasant experience for both parties. And yet, once they have created some stability and perhaps learned some coping skills on new ways of dealing with this dynamics of borderline personality and, and their environment and their um, community and other relationships in life, then they may really start looking at their original relationship different. So they may kind of come back and say, well, you know, if I see myself stronger, if I see myself capable of uh, overcoming that you know, anxiety that exists, that at one time I was incapable of handling, uh, that I was overwhelmed and really delivered to, but today I feel differently. I don't feel those weaknesses anymore. I don't feel this panic around uh, the anxieties of the relationship, but I can actually can handle criticism. I can handle distance. I can handle um, disagreements and uh, threat of uh, separation or uh, uh, or rejection or abandonment or any of those anxiety-provoking issues, if I can handle it, then maybe I can also handle the relationship again with my mom or with my father or with my family. So, <clears throat> and, and the last memory for them with that family member is a pleasant one. It's something that they have felt validated, accepted, and, and more or less, um, say, respected. We felt, okay, you know, I needed something and I got it. That person was willing to give me that respect. So, and, and now I'm stronger. So let me give it a shot. Let me give it a try. And especially in this case, as the son 
uh, is particularly going through therapy. <coughs> I'm sorry. I have a little bit of a bad cough. Um, so as this son is going through therapy, um, I'm very hopeful that, uh, to, to, for the son to ultimately, if he puts enough energy and effort in really overcoming this um, uh, you know, malady, that they ultimately come to the realization that yes, they can handle it and they can overcome this issue and um, they can go back to establishing healthy relationship with their family member, with their, especially in this case with their parents. And they may have conditions. They may, uh, for instance, want to have the parents really um, uh, exemplify evidence that they have gone through some kind of a transformation as well. <clears throat> that their acknowledgement is not empty-handed, that it is backed by some evidence that, for instance, they have gone through therapy, they, their behavior is different, their reactions are different, their um, you know, responses and reflections are different. They are not, at least, uh, they don't seem to be hostile or adversarial anymore, and uh, as a result, it's safer. So the, ultimately, the idea here is to feel safe around one another, to not have to walk on eggshells, not to have to um, deal with embarrassment and shame and guilt and, um, and kind of negativity, negative criticism. Uh, that All of that can come across as attacks, attacks on a person's integrity and esteem, self-esteem, and... Uh, and core values and core beliefs. So rather than feeling invalidated and devalued or rejected or as an outsider, so they can feel like I can be accepted no matter what, you know, I, the way exactly the way I am. And uh, there is no ifs and buts and discussions and arguments and any attempts at changing me. You know, ultimately that is the uh, core ingredient of a safe relationship. If people can establish this with one another to the point that their communication is aligned with this intention. If the intention is, I'm here for you, yes, I, I may find some feedback for you, you know, certain things we certainly disagree upon because just we are two human beings with different varied options, opinions, and viewpoints, and and sets of likes and dislikes that don't match each other, you know. So particularly, we can, we probably will arrive at polar opposites, which will really strain and tax um, and test our sense of reality. Uh, despite this test of our, of, of our sense of reality, we are willing to accept one another just the way we are, and uh, get along with each other, compromise, um, remain in the same room, you know, be less reactive to, to what we don't like uh, as we observe them, as we see them. Uh, to give you an example, let's make it a little bit more tangible. If, um, you know, a person is uh, loud, right, 
you know, that's like a lot of times they uh, link this to ethnicities. You know, I remember when I was living in Europe at the uh, neighboring country, Italy, I was in uh, connection with a lot of Italian families. And in fact, in movies, Hollywood has exacerbated and exaggerated these features where Italian families have come to be known as loud and boisterous and animated, where they're you know, yelling and taking their hands up and you know, kind of talking with their hands and with their facial expression and a lot of times being almost rude or in your face, you know, at the same time, very loving, caring, lovely people, but again, kind of having this very uh, pronounced uh, verbal, nonverbal posture, behavioral body features. Uh, so if you have that, let's say your family is a mix of somebody with these features and someone else who has learned that, you know, expression, emotional expression, especially using the body is, uh, is not good, is, is something uh, unpleasant and something distasteful and unacceptable, like impolite, especially again, uh, stereotypically, I state this, you know, with a caveat that not all Italian families are like that, or let's say Middle Eastern or Asian or African or whatever, white, you, you name all these colors, it doesn't matter. Uh, human beings are human beings. Anyway, so despite all these diversities, I don't want to add to the stereotypical uh, stigma that exists. But again, for the sake of this conversation, if you have someone who has not, um, you know, kind of complied with the norm of high animation and high emotional expression, uh, such as a lot of times we have within the Asian or Southeast Asian culture, uh, where basically, you know, lack of emotional facial expression um, is the norm and is the more or less the higher standard, uh, is the better, if you will, the more advanced level of uh, composure. So now you have this polar values, right? One person may be thinking that this highly animated self-expression is the best you can do, you know, the best you can be. This is your best. That's how you are as a human being and you can um, just experience life and humanity at its best and highest. Now you have another person who thinks, well, you know, the best and highest and the most noble uh, level of being a human, expressing yourself as a human is to be quiet, to be silent, to be composed, to be, uh, you know, uh, more or less, uh, in their way, respectful of the situation by being more attentive and listening rather than talking. Now you have these two polar opposites crashing with each other. Now, it's <coughs> to be expected that these two people cannot really remain in the same room and conversation and relationship for long. Because constantly their belief system, <coughs> I'm sorry, their belief system as well as their neurobiology, really, you know, all their sensory experience that is leading to internal processing and responsive behaviors is uh, in disarray. They're completely confused. On the one hand, there is a set of norms that they need to follow. On the other hand, there is something else in front of them that is sending off alarm uh, signals that, you know, 
danger. There is some danger around you. You know, the person who is highly animated feels threatened by the quiet, silent presentation of the composed person, and vice versa. So both are feeling threatened by each other because of that, again, core belief, being highly active in the center of this relationship. And uh, so now, if you, um, you know, have these individuals uh, kind of in the relationship, whether they're uh, have partners, or at times, again, parents, children, siblings, or even uh, you know, strangers that come together and kind of uh, happen to find each other for a moment in a certain relationship, now you have to <clears throat> particularly come to agree to kind of disagree and become mindful of these uh, particular differences and uh, and try to compromise to some extent. So, um, which is very, very difficult and it cannot last too long, um, but over time it is more or less what is necessary for a person to be able to do so. so same thing with going back to the discussion of borderline personality uh, characteristics. You know, uh, when we decide to basically take some distance from one another and uh, uh, ultimately uh, take some time, to, we also have to work on developing some skills to overcome these types of, uh, you know, uh, sources, if you will, or, or manage contain these types of sources of stimuli that piss us off, right? And uh, ultimately learn how to deal with such uh, uh, extreme differences between between family members. It's not easy if we, however, care and uh, at least care about ourselves and care about our families uh, and family members. We, we all can learn those skills. We all can learn uh, to live with diverse presentations um, and ultimately really by focusing on the positive characteristics, on the common characteristics, on the pleasant characteristics that we find in each other and not allowing our brain to veer off to kind of um, go on a tangent toward negative, toward we dislike. You have to constantly work on it, and, um, and it is possible. So going back to that example I mentioned, that uh, I said, well, you know, have patience. Uh, let the family member take their time, and if they're back on track and they have gotten this validation from you, it is okay to take your time off, to have the distance, they, uh, and then they come back and make certain conditions that, you know, in your response to me, even though you may not like what you see in me, what I would appreciate is some kind of a um, positive acknowledgement, some kind of a uh, supportive, basically. It needs to be supportive in nature, pleasant and validating. So an example would be something like, um, let's say after a couple of years, uh, for this mother and son being separate, um, you know, under certain circumstances and conditions, they could find each other uh, back in the same room with the acknowledgement that, you know, why don't we both try to focus on the positive sides? We have talked about negativity, we have talked about 
what has pained us and this and and hurt us enough and uh, and uh, really just kind of take the journey uh, from an intentionally positive perspective even if we wanted to talk about certain things that we don't like or that we have been um, you know aggravated and, and uh, felt assaulted even or attacked about still we can do it in a manner of uh, kind of less vengeful and more forgiving to a point where we can create some kind of a space for understanding that I, and I know that I must have hurt you in the past. Some of my actions must have hurt you in the past. And that needs to be reciprocal. It cannot be one-sided and lopsided. You know, can't always be like, let's say the son comes back and says, well, as long as you as a mother or as a father acknowledge how much you have pained me and hurt me and uh, that's it, that's the end of it and, and you can take that blame forever and become more or less the perpetrator, kind of take on that role of being the bad guy in my life and I can target you as a source of all my problems, then yeah, that's, that's an acceptable relationship. That can't work. It's not going to work because, again, we're talking about uh, an uh, unbalanced, lopsided type of a relationship where there is too much burden put on the one end in, instead of, you know, distributed across. So it won't work and to a point where, because then we are victimizing a person or a couple of people, in this case the parents, and uh, basically make their victimization and a perpetual infinite acceptance of guilt, shame, and blame, a condition of this relationship, which, by the way, is going to lead probably most likely to further uh, opportunity for emotional and perhaps uh, other types of abuse. So we don't want that, an imbalanced relationship. So ultimately, what we want to acknowledge here is that, you know, as part of our nature, being human, we in an inadvertently and inevitably hurt one another. And the pain and the hurt and the kind of the injury to the relationship uh, most of the time is from the situation itself. I mean, this uh, kind of stemming from the reality of just being diverse, as we talked about, that a lot of times we are polar, we, have, we, are, we are polar opposites from one another. Right? Just like I mentioned with that, uh, two people, one being highly animated, the other one being very conservative, composed, and unexpressive. So these features um, of diversity, of diverse presentations and likes and dislikes themselves lead to injury, lead to uh, invalidation of our own core philosophies and core belief system. So... Uh, therefore, if we can accept and understand that it's more the reality of diversity, the reality of the situation that is hurtful more than the person on the other end of the, on the other side of the table, so to say, uh, or on the other side of that relationship. So it's not the person trying to hurt me, it's the situation that's hurting me. It's the situation of having to deal with polar opposites, with this uh, completely disparate and um, incompatible 
sets of likes and dislikes and uh, preferences that is actually leading to my pain. And, and in fact, another layer to that is it's not even that the sets, the different sets of incompatible values, but what I tell myself about it that is actually hurting. So my own judgments, more or less. So let's say uh, someone who is uh, facially unexpressive would uh, look at someone who is animated and internally they're telling themselves, you know, what a uh, jerk, for instance. So this is not how you act in a social setting. Uh, you know, you're too loud, too impolite, and this is awful. This is kind of uh, really impetuous and uh, petrified. You know, that's just unacceptable. And, and so rude and disrespectful. That self-talk, that inner language that they have with themselves, the, which is the judgment of the situation, is really the pain, is the source of the pain, uh, and vice versa. The one who is animated, thinking this guy who is quiet and in uh, the corner of the room and doesn't express their feelings and is not you know, engaging with me, uh, must have negative view of me. And, who do they think they are? They think they're better than me, you know, just putting themselves in that corner and think they can compose themselves and not express their feelings. Well, they're a robot and uh, they're not human beings. So, so they kind of have this automatic inner reflection of which includes a lot of judgment about this other person and themselves that leads to the pain. So if we could work on those judgments and kind of set them aside, then we would have less pain, honestly. And again, the level of compromise and acceptance if two people can come to, to uh, openly um, express their intention of care of, um, and of the differences and of the possibility of injury and hurt and, and, and acknowledge those realities that we, by nature, we are bound to uh, piss each other off to some extent. And uh, there are two choices we have. One is to kind of ignore this reality and go to kind of cocoons and, you know, corners and just say, no, I'm too anxious to deal with this acceptance of diversity and letting go of my own judgment. And uh, I don't want to accept this other person with their other values, with this, you know, completely opposite values of me. Uh, and then we end up being uh, a lot more isolated, distant to one another, more uh, entrenched in our own core belief system and not open enough to uh, kind of step out, out of our comfort zone into the discomfort zone and really uh, experience a richer life. But the other choice being that we would say, yeah, it's difficult. It is, uh, you know, not as comfortable. I have to step out of my comfort zone and I have to really work. I have to got to, I've got to work on this relationship, take the heat, take the intensity, uh, knowing that ultimately this is for the better good for both of us and for the better, uh, you know, benefit of uh, both, the, both people in the relationship. It is in our best benefit. And, uh, and ultimately I'm willing to deal with this reality and with this diversity, suspend my judgment, uh, focus more intentionally, focus and direct my uh, mental resources toward 
the positive things that are happening here, a lot of commonality that is going on here. The fact that we still, you know, are here in the same room, we care about each other. We could have been uh, doing other things, uh, completely other things. So, but we have put more or less a priority on this relationship if we are still in the same room with one another. And again, exercise forgiveness. Ultimately, it is about exercising forgiveness and um, and letting go and reducing our judgment. Uh, now, what I can understand is very difficult about this is this anxiety that may come up out of a self-protection of like vulnerability. Everybody may be theoretically willing to follow these directions that I gave, but ultimately in the heat of the moment feel intensely vulnerable and feel like, well, I, I can't protect myself if the other person can't handle themselves. Um, you know, if I'm bringing down my guards and become kind of, so to say, psychologically naked and vulnerable in front of this other person, and then this other person doesn't know how to uh, handle their own anxiety, their own judgment, so they may take a jab at me, again, intentionally or unintentionally, they may say something judgmental then that may get to my core uh, sense of self-esteem and confidence, then what I'm going to do? You know, I'm too hurt at that time. Therefore, it's better to keep my guard off, the guard up. So that a lot of times comes up, which uh, really complicates the situation even more. And, <clears throat> and, uh, and it's not easy. And that's why this whole uh, thing takes practice. You can't run it perfectly the first time. Um, and by, by practice, we, we really mean this almost, if you will, even jotting down certain steps that you need to take, like writing it on a piece of paper, and kind of keeping to the script, if you will. It's, it's diff as difficult as, let's say, acting. A lot of people who have to act, they write the script, they reread it over and over again. They have reminders, they have clues. I have to reshoot and retake that scene over and over again before they can perf perfectly present themselves. And at times they, never, they may never get there to perfectly enact that scene. So uh, post-production, uh, basically videographer comes in and pays this scene together and then we look at the movie and think everything went perfectly. So in, in these types of relationships too, at times, we just have to live with the imperfections, the imperfect situations of trying to attempt, uh, attempting to, trying to um, repair the relationship. It doesn't go perfectly. We still um, improve our skills, accept the imperfections, and then patching these pieces, these scenes of uh, having attempted the best we could together for the sake of the uh, total life experience with each other and kind of regard the totality of the experience as a good um, script, as a good movie, as a good uh, life experience with one another, and kind of come to terms with that. It's not perfect, but it's not too bad either. You know, we have, we have made it so far, and we have developed certain strengths within ourselves, and it's going to get better from here too. Uh, we finally are at about 5.55 right now, so we went to about... 45 to 50 minutes straight, talking about this, just one particular example. Um, let me check if we have any other types of questions. 
No, we don't have any questions. So I hope this was informational and uh, uh, informative for you uh, in terms of borderline personality, family members, how to deal with them, specifically in the cases where, um, you know, one family member actually wants to stay away from the others. Uh, in the next week, we will continue with these types of discussions and presentations. If you do have any questions specifically about your family members, just like this lady who sent me the information, I'd be happy to answer those. Feel free to email. Uh, you can post it in the social media as you are experiencing this, watching this video, or you can email me at uh, 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 basically, I would say, uh, info at therapycable.com. I think that's the best uh, uh, email to, uh, to reach me at info at therapycable.com. I'd be happy to answer your questions. And uh, also, I encourage you to watch our other uh, videos on Therapy Cable, on YouTube, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram. We have all kinds of videos related to personality disorders, addiction, uh, sexuality, human relationships. Um, make sure you visit YouTube and check out Therapy Cable and also therapycable.com. Thank you very much for watching. Until next week, Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Therapy Cable podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast provider. To view the entire videos of these episodes, visit us online at therapycable.com and send us an email about your thoughts and topic suggestions.